So I wanted to talk tonight a little bit about gratitude, and in a minute you'll hear why. Um, And so I wanted to start with a quote from the Buddha. He says, These two people are hard to find, one who is first to do a kindness, and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. So I was asked a few weeks ago, if I would do a little video for Spirit Rock. They're getting, they're collecting little video clips of Spirit Rock teachers doing little eight minute Dharma talks. Um, And so I said yes. And so the day came yesterday at 11.30. And on Tuesday, I was up there for a couple of days of meetings and I said to the person who was doing the filming, I said, well, what should I talk about? Give me an idea. I didn't have. I didn't, wasn't really brimming. And he, without thinking, and what was interesting was the next day he didn't even remember that he said it. He said gratitude. I thought, great, cool. That's a nice topic. I'm happy to talk about gratitude. And I was grateful that he had given me the suggestion. Although, then when he went on to say that this was going to be posted on YouTube. I began to feel a little like one of those dreams where you suddenly realize you don't have your clothes on. (laughs) So I'm now on YouTube. You can find it. Pretty much some of what you'll hear tonight. Not not all, but some. So it's a little scary. I particularly didn't like it when I went on YouTube and I saw the thing where they can post, you know, how many people have seen it and how many people like it and how many people don't like it. So... I think at last viewing I had 27 people, probably most of whom have been referred by me, to see it. And one one person said that they liked it. And there were no comments, for which I was deeply grateful. So, do what you will, however. Feel free to comment or like or not like. Judging mind. Judging mind, right. Ah, This is a real test of practice. So this weekend... We are celebrating Vesak. Um, we're having an all-day sitting here on, on Saturday with Sister Ananda Bodhi, who's really quite a wonderful nun. Um, and then she's also coming back on Sunday to do a day that will have some sitting and some family practice with children and a meal offering. And we're celebrating this event, this Vesak event, which is the birth, enlightenment, and death of the Buddha. And, you know, whenever we roll around the Vesak, I'm always quite amazed to think about the fact that this has been going along for 2,500 years since the time of the Buddha. And that, that reflection on the power of the teaching, no matter what, you know, there's all this discussion, what's authentic, what was added on later, all of that. Um, but any way you hold that, the, the basic truth is that we're still doing this. And that there have been millions of people who have walked this way. Who at the very least have some understanding of the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and living life according to precepts and refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha. That probably covers all the most basic teachings. 
And that's kind of amazing, really, to think about that. That whatever it was that he said, it's been um, flexible and adaptable and it's changed. You know, different Buddhism has different flavors. I went last night to a Zen ceremony at Green Gulch. My younger brother, my baby brother, was taking precepts and he got a new name. Actually, quite a wonderful name. It's um, Dai Shin Gensei. And it means um, Great Heart Original Great Heart Original Silence. Uh, Wow, I wish somebody would give me a name like that. And of course, the Zen world lots of right angles and walking here and then walking there and then walking there and bowing just so and chanting just so. It's very different from our relatively informal world here because it's the Buddhism that comes out of Japan and this is the Buddhism that comes out of Burma and Thailand through, you know, 1970s hippies, really. And so it has a somewhat more relaxed and informal quality to it. But you know, those millions and millions of people who have practiced Buddhism in its various forms, and so many have come to either a complete ending of suffering for the few that have kind of gone as far as you can go, and certainly in alleviation. I can't imagine my own life without Buddhist practice. You know, I'm so, so grateful for the lessening of suffering that I have known. And I can really say, I know that that is true, that I suffer less. And it's been carried from, you know, the Buddha and then the Buddhist followers. In the Zen world, there's a wonderful saying that it goes from warm hand to warm hand, which is one of my favorite Zen sayings, that sense that it's been passed down from person to person to person to person, all that way. So, so it, it seems like it, it's a, a good time for gratitude. And, and the thing about gratitude is a lovely saying from Meister Eckhart. He says, if, if the only prayer you said your whole life was, thank you, that would suffice. It's a great teaching, you know. It's, it's a teaching that works pretty much in any practice world that you happen to be. That there's something about thank you about gratitude that is it sums up a lot of the practice so you know here's some reflections on how one could do that and and why and how it works I know a lot of people who take some time in their in their day to be thankful and that's a pretty it's a pretty easy practice actually I think it's one of the beauties of it that you know, you could do this while you're walking, or while you're driving, or when you sit down before you eat, or you know, Russell and I used to take a couple of moments before we separated and went our separate ways every morning just to say what it was that we were thankful for. I have a good friend, a good teacher friend, who has another teacher friend, actually two teacher friends, and they email each other every day. You know, what is it that what is it today that particularly Resonates, and um, is it you know the book you're reading, or the fact that the flowers are beautiful, or being grateful that you know yes we're having rain and cold wind, but at least we're not having tornadoes, 
or whatever it is that you're grateful for, um, just to take a moment to relax into it and to reflect on it. And it's also, though, a practice that really needs to be embodied. It needs to be done. So when I was doing some some poking around to see you know, good gratitude quotes, I found this one from William Faulkner, and he said, gratitude is a quality similar to electricity. It must be produced and discharged and used up in order to exist at all. So, you know, there's that sense of you kind of have to do gratitude. You, know, you can't just think it in your head. There's, there's a way in which you have to embody it and and say the words or write the note or send the email, whatever it is that you're doing that, that holds the gratitude. And, as I thought about it, it's also one of those practices, like a lot of the practices of the heart, that it's a good idea to do it for yourself. And that's a place we don't think about so often. It's that place where we're grateful to ourselves for something that we've done. You might think about it, like think back to the day. What, you know, in what way could you say thank you to yourself for something that you did? And it's so easy. You know, you're grateful for all these other things that all these other people have done, and you're not grateful for what you've done for yourself or for another or for the world. So there are two places where it hooks in very nicely with Brahma Vihara practice, the practices of the heart. And I've I've heard I've heard some of my teacher friends say, you know, maybe gratitude is just sort of a fifth Brahma Vihara for our particular culture because we talk about gratitude a lot in this culture. But I actually think it fits pretty well in two places. It fits well, obviously, with metta practice, with the practice of loving kindness and you know, as the Buddha said, it's a, it's a response to a kind act when something happens, and it, it is in itself a kind act. And as I thought about it, you know, there's a way in which somebody does something nice and you say thank you, and it's almost as though it continues the kindness. It, it picks up their kindness and carries it along the next step, because it's always lovely to have somebody th- say thank you, you know, that way in which it it feels like the kindness is coming back. And so it, it continues it, it perhaps amplifies it a bit, and carries it along for the next step. And it's also that place that when we, when we allow ourselves to feel gratitude, the heart does soften a bit and open a bit. When you really let yourself, to, it's easy enough to say thank you and not think about it. Or my father, I was just thinking about this, he got really grumpy in his old age because instead of saying thank you, people would say no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're what? Welcome. Pardon? Instead of, saying instead of you're welcome. welcome. Yes. But also sometimes instead of saying thank you, we just sort of, you know, he just felt the whole thank you, you're welcome thing was, was gone. And um, so there's that place of really taking the time to go, oh, thank you, and really letting the heart soften and, and open and taking in the, the meaning of what we're saying. And that's, that's what those practices are intended to do, the practices of the heart, to open the heart. And then there's another place, the other place that I think is perhaps even more interesting, um, is the practice of equanimity. And so equanimity, 
um, is both the fruit of all the practice that we do, and it's also something that we work at. And it's that place where no matter what is happening in the mind or the heart or the outside world, there's the ability to remain stable and balanced and and to ride the, the waves, really, of, of life as they come, no matter whether they're small waves or, or big waves. And so you're probably thinking, or at least I might think, well, how would I bring gratitude to those times when it's really rough, you know, this doesn't make too much sense always. Um, but it is, it's an interesting thing to consider. So there's the, the wonderful practice that I talk about a lot in here, where you imagine that everyone in your life is fully enlightened but one. And you are the one, right? And, you know, I, I must have talked about this probably a hundred times over my years of teaching, and I'd love to talk about it because it, it makes me smile, and, and it's a little hard to imagine certain people being fully enlightened and doing what they're doing just to help me wake up, but that's the teaching. So, you know, the person who, was, who cut you off in traffic today, or your irritated boss, or your partner who was grumpy, or your daughter who did something that she shouldn't have done. Um, and so the sense is, okay, these people are helping you wake up. It's not to say that you don't respond to them in, in the ordinary way as well. Um, and that they're teachers for you. And so that actually does bring a thread of gratitude into these very, very difficult places. How can I learn from this? What What is it that... I need to hear. I remember at one point when there was some situation going on, probably at the center or before the center happened, when there was somebody was angry at me, and I was invited to consider, well, what if they're right? Which was not what I really wanted to think about. But it was great teaching, you know, what if they're right? What if, what if I could learn from this? Maybe there's something here that I need to listen to. Everything that, there's nothing that happens in your life that cannot be a teacher. There's nothing. You know, there's that wonderful poem from Rumi that called The Guest House that probably many of you know. And he talks about, you know, how this being human is a guest house every morning, a new arrival, and a joy, a depression, a meanness. And he goes on, he says, be be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So that's exactly that place of bringing some gratitude into the, into the difficulties when they show up. And, and, and probably everyone here ha- can look back at some time of difficulty when, when things were not um, going well for you and, and be grateful for it. You know, that that you realize that you learned a lot or your life deepened. And um, I know that, I can remember there was a time when people would say, this phrase that I came to hate, what an opportunity for growth. It kind of made you want to throw up after a while. (laughs) And what an opportunity for growth. Which really is pointing to the same thing. And I don't think it's a very 
good phrase to use when people are really suffering. Maybe it's better to just sit with them in their suffering. And at that same time, you know, there comes a point in the process of working through it when you can begin to wonder, well, what is it that I'm learning at this particular point? And can I have some gratitude even for this very difficult thing? So, you know, in any situation, really, in any situation, there is a place where we can find freedom and where we can wake up. There is no, there's nothing that can happen to you where you can't wake up and where you can't find freedom. That's a pretty amazing thing to realize, that that it's not that you have to practice for a hundred years and shave your head and do all these different things. That Freedom is available in this very present moment for each person here, no matter what that moment is. And so that's really, I think, a place for a great deal of gratitude. So I thought I'd read you this wonderful, or pieces perhaps, of this wonderful Merwin poem because he, he talks about gratitude in difficulties, and then I'll stop and we'll have some conversation. He says, listen, with the night falling, we are saying thank you. We are stopping on the bridges to bow from the railings. We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water thanking it, standing by the windows looking out in our directions back from a series of hospitals, back from a mugging. After funerals, we are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, whether or not we knew them, we are saying thank you. With the animals dying around us, with the forests falling faster than the minutes, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us, We are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. Thank you, we are saying and waving, dark though it is.